Hello, and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week, we'll be breaking down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. Dana, what's today's topic? Today, we're talking about R&B legend Aaliyah and her relationship with R. Kelly, noted sex pervert. And this is a listener request, so shout out to our girl Carlina for requesting it. And if you guys have any topics you want us to cover, please send us a DM or comment or email or, I don't know, find us. Yeah, we listen to you guys. We read all your stuff. So if you have any ideas, send them our way. But for all of you Gen Zers that were not uh, out of the womb yet, Aaliyah is best known for redefining the contemporary R&B and urban pop genres. She was named the 10th most successful female R&B artist of the last 25 years, sold an estimated 24 to 32 million albums worldwide when people were buying physical albums. She's won an American Music Award, a VMA. She's had Grammy nominations. God, I'm out of breath. She's appeared in <laughs> films like Romeo Must Die and Queen of the Damned. Um, but like, and all this happened in a very short period of time because her career and success were pretty short lived because her life was taken away in a tragic plane crash at the age of 22. So, um, this year actually commemorates the 20th anniversary of her death. So let's learn a little bit more about her background. Yes. Honestly, she re- kind of has a Selena vibe to me. Like yeah, they have I was very just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar careers and like happenings. But we're here talking about Aaliyah, not Selena. Um, but Aaliyah was born Aaliyah Dana, either Houghton or Houghton. I'm not Houghton. sure. Re- Houghton. Okay. Regardless, she went by Aaliyah or Baby Girl, which I will perpetually always hear in Timbaland's voice in my head. Baby um, Girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she was an American singer, actress, dancer, and model who was born in Brooklyn. She grew up in Detroit, and she started singing at a young age and performed at weddings and church and at charity events. And at the age of 10, she went on Star Search, which was a pretty big talent competition for kids. Like it, Well, kids and adults, but I feel like a lot of kids went on it. And eventually, she was signed to Jive Records at age 12. Jive Records was the label to be at in the 90s. It was known for having some of The biggest hip hop and R&B artists like Tribe Called Quest, R. Kelly, Teenax, like the Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, and Britney Spears. Now it doesn't really exist because it was absorbed into RCA, but it was a really big deal if you got signed there at this time. So Aaliyah is definitely going places. So what are her big three? Okay, Aaliyah was born on January 16th, 1979 at 8.43 a.m. in Brooklyn. And she has a Capricorn sun, a Virgo moon, and an Aquarius rising. So the sun in Capricorn is like stoic, hardworking, grounded, and has a dry sense of humor. Her sun is conjunct Mars, which adds even more ambition and motivation to her Capricorn sun. Um, and Mars and Capricorn both like to be in control, but they're in Aaliyah's 12th house, which relates to secrets, hidden enemies, and like things that happen to you, not necessarily like by you. Um, so this, I think, probably like has to do with why so many people wanted to control her life and image. And I think that there was a lot behind the scenes that we like don't know. Um, but her Virgo moon is also hardworking and observant and self-sacrificing. Virgo moons often have like mothers who are critical, uh, whether they mean well or not, um, and they can internalize this and become self-critical. And then they're perfectionist and like super helpful. And Virgo moons need to feel useful and in control in order to maintain their sanity and security. Um, and her Aquarius rising makes her stand out from the crowd, but also makes her grounded in reality. And also this could be why she feel similar to selena aside from having similar stories because they both have aquarius risings oh yeah interesting 
And they, like, just understand how the world works and tend not to take things personally uh, or make things about them all the time. So, like, basically, they don't live life like they're the stars of their own movies. Another Cap son sister for me. But Aaliyah's having tons of doors open for her, and a big reason for that is her uncle. Her uncle was married to famous soul singer Gladys Knight. He had his own label and at the time was managing a little R&B singer named R. Kelly. Eyebrow raise. So her uncle introduced Aaliyah to R. Kelly. At this time, she was 12, he was 25, and he became her musical mentor as well as the main songwriter and producer on her debut album. Obviously, we'll get more into R. Kelly in a little bit. Yeah, right now we're focusing on R&B queen Aaliyah. So Aaliyah's ominously titled first album, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, (laughs) debuts, and it's really well received. She gets two singles in the Billboard Hot 100, which is a big deal. Critics really like her voice. They said it was very sultry, which is pretty gross to say about a 14-year-old girl, but generally everyone was into it, and this album really kickstarts her career. So what's going on um, during that time this album drops? Okay, so that was May 24th, 1994, and there's like a lot going on in her charts, so I'm going to try and keep it tight here. She's in a fourth house year uh, in Taurus, and Venus is her time lord, um, and her natal Venus is on her midheaven in Sagittarius. Um, and Taurus is the voice and the midheaven is fame and career. So like this is all like very much like a debut album energy. Um, and transiting Neptune is conjunct Uranus and Capricorn at the time. And that aspect is conjunct her natal sun and Mars. <laughs> so it's like a huge planetary uh, conjunction. And Neptune is like idealization and fame and Uranus is like the shock jock of the Zodiac. So I bet they were like maybe trying to provoke a little controversy with that album title. And conjunct her son Mars, like, this means that she's achieving a huge goal here. But I think, especially with, like, Uranus and Neptune, like, she probably doesn't know what she's getting herself into. Which no 14-year-old would, but she especially maybe doesn't. (laughs) Um, And then she's also having her Saturn opposition, which is, like, a huge maturity moment. Saturn transits make you grow up, and the opposition coincides with, like, puberty. Ew. But, again, it's, like, harkens back to the album title. Um, And Chiron is conjunct her moon in Virgo. And Chiron's an asteroid that relates to primordial wounds. So Chiron transits are, like, often painful. Sometimes they're hot, but then that's, like, I guess usually healing some of the pain. But also, like, at least, like, we're trying to, like, fit a square peg into a round hole with with a Chiron transit. So, like, you just don't really know what you're doing wrong, maybe. Or maybe you're just having pain. But anyway, so this is on her Virgo moon. And the moon is the body. And Virgo is purity. And in the eighth house, uh, that can, like, relate to, like, death and transformation and... Uh, it's often correlated with sex. And so since we know that she's the vic- victim of sex abuse, I feel like that kind of just reflects what was going on behind the scenes because the eighth house is a hidden house. Oh, wow. And the album so was yeah released on a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius within five degrees of her natal midheaven in Venus, which again was her time lord. So this is all activated. And eclipses just like usher and changing uh, like life events. So this just tracks. Yeah. Wow. All of that lot. is so crazy. Also too, like a fourth house year, like, family like her uncle was the one that kind of like put this all into place so all of that's like really crazy but eventually Aaliyah leaves Jive Records to go to Atlantic Records and this is where she hooks up with honestly like what a duo Timbaland and Missy Elliott to work on her second album one in a million and this album ends up being really breakthrough for both her and a career milestone for tim and missy <laughs> call <him> tim. <laughs> tim and missy. <laughs> i love Timberland. <laughs> i know same but the album goes on to be double certified platinum 
um, which means she sold two million records, which is huge. And around this time, she also starts getting into movies. Yes, Queen of the Damned, like we mentioned. Sarah's watching it. I literally love that movie so much. I can't even stop talking about it. I don't think she people really liked her role in that, so it was sad, but like I loved it. It's very goth, vampire goth. Yeah, Aaliyah's getting a ton of recognition, both for her voice, her personal life, and her fashion. She wore a lot of baggy clothes, sunglasses, a lot of black, always made sure the way her hair was parted kind of like covered one of her eyes. They kind of referred to this look as like ghetto goth. So the TRL audience went wild for it. Um, and if you don't know about TRL, I mean, you could just look it up, but it was a music video countdown show hosted by Carson Daly. You had, oh, yeah, so had to good. be there. But you really had to be there. <laughs> it was truly like the most high profile promotion tool for artists at that time when there was no social media. So like if you were an artist and you wanted to be famous, you needed to be on TRL. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's such a good way. I love TRL. Yeah. yeah, that is a good way. Oh my God, I used to like run af- home after school and watch it. I always wish I could be like down just standing freezing in the street. Oh, like no. screaming for him yeah. to let you don't me want to be in the crowd. You want, you want to say, I, I want to be cold. Um, okay. Also, so she has like Venus um, and, and Neptune on her midheaven, and Venus is fashion and Neptune is creativity. So, like, when these two are co present in the same sign, it can also indicate fangirling and just like general creativity. And plus, on, like, the, on her midheaven, she's like known for fashion. So, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Also, Sagittarius it. is just the sign of the pop star, and we know that. Like, the. There are so many female pop stars with uh, Sagittarius Sun, so it's like just interesting or significant Sagittarius placements. Um, but also to another thing I think is interesting is like, well, besides like the obviously like weird, creepy sexual secrets, Scorpio's in her 10th house. And to me, that just screams goth. Like you're known for like being a chic goth, like wearing black. Also sex symboly. Sex symboly, like she had a, her part covered one of her eyes so you couldn't see one of her eyes. Like also to me, very mysterious yeah, committing to an astigmatism is <laughs> <laughs> the laughter ends here because Aaliyah goes to the Bahamas to shoot a music video for honestly a true banger of a single listen to it it's on Spotify now or wherever you listen to music rock the boat like so good and on the way back to Miami her plane crashes after being in the air for 60 seconds and all nine people on board die and after an investigation, it was discovered that this is like this is a small private jet. It was 700 pounds overweight, which is like criminal. And the pilot had coke and alcohol in his system. What the which, fuck? I mean, he wasn't even qualified to fly this plane. So I don't know how they found him or where he came from. But um, what was happening for her on this day? So this was on August 29th, 2001 um, at 6.50 p.m. or 6.51 p.m. and Marsh Harbor in the Bahamas. And Aaliyah was in an 11th house year. Sagittarius was her perfected sign and Jupiter was her time lord. And the 11th house relates to like your public and the audiences. And since her midheaven is here, it also relates to her career and her public image. Um, and there was a Sag stellium in her 11th house when the plane crashed with Pluto, Chiron and Mars. And Pluto is the god of secrets and power and, like, sometimes death, almost certainly turmoil. Chiron is pain and Mars is aggression and, like, evisceration. These are just, like... Wow. Like, dark planets. And so I feel like this reflects, like, that she was killed as well as, like, her legacy that's, like, never really been, like, forgotten, sort of, in a way. Because, like, Chiron's, like, a wound, so that kind of was also put onto her fans, which is, like, the 11th house. And then she also had Uranus conjunct her Ascendant, and Uranus relates to both accidents and air travel, and the Ascendant, like, is Aaliyah in her chart, like, our Ascendant is who we are. 
Oh my God. And so that's just like kind of weird. Also, Uranus was conjunct Kobe's IC when he was killed in the helicopter crash. So that's, um, I mean, I guess it got oh. its air travel signification somehow, right? Like it oh my probably God. happens. Yeah, a scary crash. Remind me, Dana, never to fly when I have that placement. Um, Aaliyah's death made headlines around the world. She was so young. I remember only 22. She was at such a high point in her life and her career. But since her death, her stardom has really only continued to grow. Uh, she recently received a tribute on the MTV Music Awards, or her album Aaliyah recently made it back into the Billboard R&B Hip Hop Top 10. Drake has a tattoo of her. I know, weird, I learned this. What is wrong okay. with him? It's like a portrait tattoo. He is so <laughs> weird. Uh, she's been name-dropped in a song by Kendrick Lamar, um, but there's one part of her life that people have tried to sweep under the rug, and that's her relationship with R. Kelly. So, like we mentioned before, he's a convicted, newly convicted sex trafficker. So there's a trigger warning ahead um, as we get into their very troubling relationship. But yes, the huge stampeding elephant in the room, um, R. Kelly. R. Kelly, if you don't know him yet, like he's a singer, a songwriter, a producer, and a very freshly convicted sex offender. He's known for redefining R&B, and he honestly has so many hits, like I Believe I Can Fly, Bump and Grind. From Space Jam. Yes. Um, Ignition Remix, which honestly is so good. I love Ignition Remix. I would donate money to listen to that song. I know. I would, too. And then, I mean, there's so many, but I had to mention Trapped in a Closet. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. (laughs) Because it was insane. That was one of the first, like, wild viral things. Yeah, it was so insane. But he sold more than 100 million records worldwide. He's also had a lot of sexual abuse and misconduct allegations made against him for decades. We're definitely going to get into that. But for right now, I would love to know what his big three are. Well, I mean, like so many people, we don't know. Um, He was born on January 8th, 1967 in Chicago. um, And so he is a Capricorn sun and either a Capricorn or a Sagittarius moon. I'd like to think it's a Capricorn moon because I have a Sagittarius moon and I don't want that, you know. Notice how I didn't claim him as a Capricorn sun brother. (laughs) Uh, Capricorn is ambition. There's that like notably uh, more notably, I think he has Jupiter retrograde in Leo opposite Venus and Aquarius and Jupiter is expansion and integration and uh, it's like sort of like morals and uh, it could be like self-righteousness and Venus's pleasure and Jupiter retrograde in Leo can be like self-involved because a placement that's um, like always like thinks they're the star of their own movie, especially the retrograde, like you internalize these beliefs and the sun is a self which rules Leo. And so it's just sort of like it could be like not really able to like see outside of yourself. Then the Nirvana baby also had this. I, I wrote about it <laughs> uh, in a tweet. And Venus and Aquarius <laughs> is detached and Venus is women and girls um, and so this aspect reflects, like, I think how he subconsciously or inherently views women. And so with the opposition, like, he likes to think something is owed to him or like just like some sort of like compromise, like a moral compromise, like pleasure is his right. And so, of course, my interpretation of this aspect is just based on what I know about him. I wouldn't accuse anyone who has this aspect of being a sex pervert, but it does really apply. Yikes. Whoa. Wow. Also, something that's that I think is kind of weird, too. His fifth house, which is like sex ruler, is in the second house, which is like money and possession. So I feel like he associates like sex with like property or like yeah. some sort Brilliant, of like Sarah. ownership. Yeah. Thank Hot you. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> so R. Kelly was introduced to Leah when she was super young and really helped her develop her style and her sound. A lot of people actually say her first album 
um, AJ Nothing But a Number is actually an R. Kelly. Basically, it's like an R. Kelly album just sung by a girl. Like his influence was like very obvious. And that's kind of why it did so well. Um, she got a lot of like airtime because he was like featured on songs and did remixes. Um, so he definitely played a huge part in her initial success. Yeah, he probably chose the album name too. Like I said, ominous. Um, he also did a lot of bizarre things, uh, like making Aaliyah <laughs> dress like him. First, it started in her videos, and then it expanded to them doing it everywhere they went in public together. They were together extremely often, which I don't know why that didn't raise a lot of red flags, but... He was literally twice her age. Yeah, they would tell anyone that would listen that they were best friends, which made everyone be like, okay... Um, so I got to know what their Bible is like, because I'm sure it's extremely cringe. It's interesting. So, I mean, it's weird. Like they have a lot in common or a lot of conjunctions. And I feel like maybe Leah probably trusted him and he probably honestly felt like fond of her because I bet she made him feel human, which I feel like he must not feel. This doesn't like mean anything to what he did, but he was also a victim of sexual abuse as, as he was younger. So, oh, so I guess it's like transference in a very disturbing way, too. So they both have their sons in Capricorn. They both have their Mercury's in Capricorn. Their Mercury's almost exactly conjunct and they both have their Jupiter's retrograde in Leo. Um, But they also have like his Pluto is conjunct her North Node in Virgo in her eighth house. So I feel like this is him honestly like this is kind of like just think of the darkest thing he's done and that's like it because her eighth house is a house where like that has to do with other people's resources and so he like his power is what pushed her to fame in a lot of ways wow that's really fucked up and also right? interesting also like her her being his child bride kind of um because virgo is the sign of purity and also his mars is conjunct her pluto and libra and this is like psychosexual power struggles but also sort of like it's like peacemaking in a weird way it's weird to have two planets that want power in Libra because Libra wants harmony. So it's kind of like, it seems like something that would attract people to each other. But also in the ninth house, maybe that's like why pe- like they believe or she believed probably that he was powerful, but also like maybe is why people were like, why are you guys telling us this? Or like, why are you guys dressing alike? Yeah. And why are you guys best friends? She's half of your age. In a weird way, I thought the dressing alike when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that's like forcing someone forcing to have control over someone's like look or like transforming their look or not even being able to see them as an individual i guess oh yeah that too no this is like crazy though but i think the eighth house like really makes me like shudder okay so spoiler as creepy as it sounds they were not best friends um it's come out that um, they secretly got married without Aaliyah's parents knowing when she was 15 and he was 27 Um, He paid to get her a fake ID that said she was 18 and they were married in a hotel. So what is going on that day? (laughs) Okay, so they were married during R. Kelly's nodal opposition, like almost to the degree. So it was within a few months, but also it's a whole sign, like I said, in return. So, yeah, it's during his nodal opposition and the nodal opposition is the astrological aspect that like indicates the 27 club or that is the reason for the 27 club reflects it, I guess is a better word. So it's often a time when we're not making the best choices in life uh, or our fates are like completely turned or it's just like a difficult time or we're just being idiots. Also, um, <laughs> Neptune and Uranus were conjunction Capricorn and they both have the sun and Mercury here and Aaliyah also has her Mars here. And so this is kind of like surprise promises, um, maybe like not making the best choices, right? Because Neptune's sort of like not being able to see. Uranus is shocking. And it's like in Aaliyah's 12th house of secrets, 
and since she's a child, like this is kind of like lying about her age. Whoa! And in Capricorn, which is ruled by Saturn, which is has to do with time and age. And then it's it's also Leah's Mars opposition, and Mars in the sixth house often has to do with like submission. So it's kind of like her being submitted, especially since Mars is conjunct her son. So every time her Mars is activated, so is her son. And Mercury is conjunct their Mars Pluto conjunction in Libra. So those three planets are all like in a line, and so basically they're making a vow regarding this union. That's like you know has to do with how strongly they feel about it. Ugh, this right. is so awful. I know. I was really grossed yeah. out looking at some of the stuff. And though R. Kelly and Aaliyah always denied the marriage, speculation about it made headlines. And, um, you know, even though they tried to deny it, it was a real thing. Aaliyah's parents freaked out, obviously, when they found out and got it annulled a few months later. And um, while this was going on, there were also allegations and rumors swirling that R. Kelly may have gotten Aaliyah pregnant, which could have led to the, the subsequent marriage. And since Aaliyah, a lot of accusations have been made about R. Kelly and his involvement with underage girls. But for the most part, the allegations didn't hurt his career. You know, he still sold out stadiums and had hit singles. And this carried on until media stories and documentaries started coming out about him. Yeah, which is so insane to think back on. Like, remember, this marriage happened in 1994. So yeah. and like the headlines came out that this man married a 15 year old girl, might have gotten her pregnant, got her a fake. I didn't like, marry her. And yet he was just like still continuing to like go on tour, make new albums like really. He was basically like not untarnished. But there were a few stories here and there, including a BuzzFeed article in 2013, which is almost 20 years later, mind you, <laughs> um, titled R. Kelly's Alleged Sexual Assaults and Why No One's Talking About It. But the first story that really got a lot of national attention wasn't until 2017 when another BuzzFeed expose was published called Inside the Pied Piper of R&B's Cult. And this was by um, Jim DeRogatis. A quick note about him. He was a pop critic at the Chicago Sun-Times, and he initially was tipped off about R. Kelly's illicit activities regarding young girls via a fax machine message in the year 2000. <laughs> this is not a joke. He was reviewing R. Kelly's album at the time. Someone faxed him something that said, Robert's problem, next fax message, is young girls. Like oh in God. separate faxes, which is crazy. And he was like, he had heard about the marriage story and he was like, something's what had been nagging him. So he started looking into it and he's like uncovering all this stuff. But it took him almost 20 years to get anyone to publish an article about oh, it like he kept trying sorry, to go Jen. to like because he was at the sun Times, so he wanted it to be published in like a reputable newspaper like uh at the time in 2000s like blogs weren't really a thing yet yeah, like, and he kept getting like around. he kept getting like squashed with by executives at like every turn it was crazy so fuck you traditional news media <laughs> <laughs> and his story that was finally published in 2017 thank you buzzfeed um had to do with parents that had gone to the police saying r kelly was holding their daughters hostage against their will. Well, also, too, like, uh, I think a reason why people didn't want to go up against R. Kelly is he did have a lot of friends that were, like, former cops that were, like, in his circle and, like, did security for him. And That was not an accident, I'm sure. <laughs> I know. And he also was, like, a big fixture in the community. He was well-known. He was, like, successful. He did stuff, so people didn't want to cross him, really, you know? Right. Like, 
no one's talking about him. Why are you going to try and blow up his spot? But anyway, this article caused a lot of people to raise their eyebrows and it was a really big deal and it opened a lot of people's eyes, but it had nothing on the public backlash that resulted from the Lifetime, like of all outlets to have this, but the Lifetime series Surviving R. Kelly. And Surviving R. Kelly was a docuseries that laid out decades worth of abuse allegations against him. There were even women that came forward to be on the camera to tell their stories of what they personally experienced. They had tons of interviews and even his ex-wife Drea told her story of the insane abuse she experienced. And the crazy thing was like all of their stories were all pretty similar. They all kind of followed the same pattern. He starts out super sweet and cute with them, but then eventually he isolates them, he brainwashes them, and he abuses them. And this docuseries took people from being like, oh, he's like kind of like a quirky, trapped in a closet weirdo. Like, you know, people would be like, he pees on girls, ha 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 ha, to being like, literally, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? It's wild that we didn't stop at he pees on girls, you know? Yeah, like that was something that was like very well known. But again, it's just like, for some reason, I think, just reading about something at the time was like not enough people had to like see like women having like telling these horrible stories like to believe them which is sad so surviving r kelly came out on january 3rd 2019 and the sun saturn pluto and the south node are all in capricorn at this time Mm. um it's all in like r kelly's sun and mercury right and so it's like illuminating his power and like pluto is secrets um mercury is talking the sun is illumination uh, Pluto also has to do with like revealing secrets, as, like as well as keeping them. Um, and then the South Node is a drain, so it's sort of like just this, like twisted crimes are being exposed. And Venus was conjunct his Neptune in Scorpio, and Scorpio is the detective of the zodiac. And Neptune is like the shit that you never see coming. So I bet that he probably never expected. I bet he thought he was going to get away with everything. Maybe he like doesn't know how to get to the bottom of stuff, right? I mean, why wouldn't he think that he had been doing it for over twenty years? Yeah. Well, also Venus. Venus has to do with, again, like, women and, like, sort of, like, pleasure. So I feel like Venus wants to, like, go deep and, like, show, like, what the fuck is going on. And then the moon was conjunct Jupiter and Sagittarius and the moon manifests aspects on Earth. And Jupiter is morals. Uh, Sagittarius is the truth. So this is like, hey, I want to tell you everyone what the fuck is up. Right. And if you think about it, like, it was probably purchased by Lifetime, which is a random fucking network, because none of the major, like, news stations would cover oh, this yeah, for point. some reason. But anyway, um, we have to point out that not everyone buys the story surviving R. Kelly is selling, both when it aired and even still today after he's been convicted. Um, there was actually like a surge of people streaming his songs after the series aired. There's a lot of online chatter about people defending him, saying the women are fame seeking, um, that he's innocent. Some of this comes from the fact that like a lot of people have like a very emotional connection to Art Kelly's music. It's been a staple in their lives. So their memories are so associ- associated with his songs. So they just uh-huh. like don't want to give that up. Um, you know, similar like the Chris Brown stuff, like he clearly abused Rihanna, but you know, people would, are still into this day defend him, which is kind of crazy. But sometimes I feel like the worst thing someone's done, if someone's a fan, like they double down even harder. Like he did not yes. Yes. traffic women and pee on them. It's like, well, <laughs> I love this song. Love right. This song. So they just like don't want the allegations to be true, which sorry, spoiler alert. I mean, read the evidence, but you go be his okay. friend then. How about that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about you go be alone with him? I mean, regardless of whether you like his music or you met him once and he didn't seem creepy. It's become really clear 
that he had this repeated pattern of behavior that's gone on for the past 25 or so years. And because he's so well-connected and such a public figure, he gets accused of doing something and maybe even goes to trial or he gets sued, but he would never get convicted. Like nothing would stick. He would just settle out of court and he would keep doing the same shit and kind of just ignore the allegations and continue living his life. So like none of this ever really affected him until recently when he was charged with honestly like an insane amount of charges or counts in several states and he was finally brought to trial in New York. Before today there there was a lot of subsequent shit that went down with him in 2019 after the documentary came out like he got arrested, it came to light that he actually has no money left and nobody can forget the infamous interview with Gail King. If you haven't seen it, google it. It's fucking nuts, but like Sarah <laughs> said, he kept managing to evade all of these things. Um but for the purpose of this episode, we're fast forwarding to 2021 when R. Kelly finally goes on trial in a Brooklyn federal court for one count of racketeering and eight counts of sex trafficking. He denies all of the charges against him. Um, and the federal case was a result of that in- investigation that BuzzFeed published. So go, Jim. But federal prosecutors had a ton of evidence. They brought hundreds of um, pieces of it, in fact, as well as 45 witnesses. And 11 of those witnesses were victims who had very similar stories. Oh my God, another parallel I was just thinking about to connect to something we've done before, and maybe this could be a bonus episode, but he has a lot of like Epstein vibes to me. So I would like to, Mm. it would be cool to like compare like their bullshit, like their bywheel, like what's similar about them, like what's gone on in their lives, like what happened when they were sentencing to see if there's any patterns. So something interesting too with this trial is that Aaliyah actually was named in the trial as R. Kelly's first known victim. And this comes from, you know, stories from Aaliyah's friends, her former boyfriend at the time when she died and family members indicate that R. Kelly abused her badly, which is sad. We don't like that. Um, So prosecutors also brought up that whole little marriage situation of theirs and said that he had bribed a government employee to get a fake welfare ID because Aaliyah was pregnant at the time. The jury listened to all the testimony over the course of a month. And then after nine hours of deliberation, they found R. Kelly guilty on all counts. Do we cheer? Yeah. (laughs) It's like a weird thing. I have a foam finger. (laughs) But remember, despite everything we mentioned in this episode, he was able to skirt conviction for literal decades. So what was happening on the day he finally meets the hammer of motherfucking justice. Okay, that was September 27th in Brooklyn. September 27th, 2021, when this is being recorded for all future historians who find this podcast. <laughs> Saturn is conjunct his Venus in Aquarius, and Saturn punishes us for what we've done or where we've cut corners. It also rewards us otherwise, but that's not what we're talking about. And then Venus is women in pleasure. It's, it has to, it's opposite his uh, Jupiter then. And in Aquarius, Saturn wants justice for like the people. So this is like reflecting that. Like it wants, it's like not just justice for one person. It's like for, you know, a collective. And Venus has to do with women. So it's like a collective of women. And Uranus and Taurus is conjunct his North Node opposite Venus and Scorpio. And something I've learned while doing this podcast that I say all the time is that Uranus oppositions indicate breaking news, okay? Oh, yeah. So it's shocking exposure. It's like, oh, my God, even though we've kind of known about this, it's like still a breaking news item. 
Um, and Uranus and Taurus strives for security. It perverts our ideas of what makes life comfortable, which I think he already has a perverted idea of what that is. The North Node is an eclipse point that marks significant events in our lives. And like, so plainly, this is just like a twist of fate. Finally. But it doesn't end there because R. Kelly is also awaiting trial on federal and state charges in Illinois and in Minnesota for things like engaging in prostitution with a minor, child pornography, obstruction of justice, kidnapping and aggravated criminal sexual abuse. Yes, R. Kelly is scheduled to be sentenced in May, precisely May 4th at 10 a.m. Dana, do you have any predictions for what might happen to him? This is an eighth house year for R. Kelly, um, and using solar houses, he has Leo on the eighth, and Leo is ruled by the sun, so the sun will be his solar time lord. The eighth house has to do with, like, dark things, right? Transformation, uh, like Hanson, that one episode, sending Ghislaine to prison or just killing her. Um, And on May 4th, um, the sentencing. Okay, so the sun will be conjunct Uranus in Taurus, exactly conjunct R. Kelly's north node. So this is, again, a twist of fate. And it'll also be the Uranus return from the trial. Uranus is retrograde right now. And so it was, Ooh. I mean, retrograde, not from the trial, but from the conviction. Oh, damn. It'll be when Uranus basically like, returns to its spot. Wow, do they have an astrologer choosing That's what I was thinking. Dates? Yeah, the astrologer like, hey, we'll schedule it here. But also this happens to be in the middle of eclipse season and the eclipses will be occurring in Taurus and Scorpio. And it's coinciding with his nodal return. So he was born uh, during an era of Taurus and Scorpio eclipses. And so whenever there's a nodal return or a nodal opposition, it's like fated events are occurring because the nodes regarding like fate and tense moments and stuff. And eclipses are like always important, but since the sun is his time lord, they'll be even more significant. And plus with his natal Jupiter and Leo in his perfected house, uh, Jupiter is also activated for him, which kind of acts like a secondary time lord. And at sentencing, Jupiter and Neptune will be conjunct in Pisces, conjunct his natal Saturn. So with his natal Saturn being activated by this transit, like he's like paying for what he's done, right? Saturn makes you pay uh, for what you've done. And Jupiter and Pisces wants justice and peace. And Neptune is just striving for some sort of higher good. Uh, and so it's just like all this is enhanced. Like he I think he he will either go to prison or he'll become so lucky that everyone will lose their minds because that. That's the alternative, but it's not going to be quiet. I Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that's making me, like, nervous. Like, part of me wants to believe something good's going to happen, but I don't know. Also, is he in the same jail as Ghislaine? Yeah. Crazy. I wonder what? if they're going to become they friends. They launch together. <laughs> Before we close out the episode, I feel like it's a would be a good idea to check on what's going on with Aaliyah's chart, because she's very much come back into the public consciousness these days. Pluto in Capricorn is conjunct her natal sun and Mars and her progressed Venus. Uh, so this is like kind of revealing secrets about her life in the industry, right? She has these placements in the 12th house, which is secrets and Pluto is secrets. Okay. So Jupiter and Saturn are in Aquarius, which is her first house and her rising. And Jupiter is exactly conjunct her rising at the time of, of the conviction. Jupiter is gifts and truth, uh, and justice and Saturn also can be justice again, because it's like making you pay. And Saturn's to do with aging. So I feel like whenever Saturn's in your first house, it's going to be big and especially probably in, um, famous people's charts or like the charts of like any sort of like legend like it'll be um, marking a year for them whenever it hits their angles but also very crazy so she has her natal saturn her natal sun and mars are at 25 and 26 degrees of capricorn her progressed venus is at 26 degrees capricorn and Pluto right now is at 24 degrees Capricorn and it, it will go over like 24 and 26. Uh, it'll be like 28 by next year, but it's basically it'll be the same like two degrees for like four years. So Pluto's also power. So that's like bringing her like her memory, her it's like illuminating that back into life. But OK, so in December, Venus will retrograde conjunct Pluto on the Sun-Mars-Venus conjunction. So that's going to bring her back probably in December. And then 
in February, Mercury will station direct after being retrograde on her the same like conjunction at, at the same degree. And then next year, Mercury will station retrograde at the same degree. All of this is happening at like 25, 24, 26 degrees Capricorn. So she's I think she's going to be in the news cycle for a while. I think that we can expect maybe to get more secrets about what happened um, and like just maybe some justice for her, like her memory, at least. Um, uh, and so I feel like this will be maybe like maybe it'll be like a big return, like maybe since she has uh, aspects that indicate that she's sort of like a human deity that maybe we'll get like a greatest hits album. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm sure we'll get a documentary of some sort. Uh, but like. You know what I mean? Just something that's actually brings solace to everyone who loves her. Yes, exactly. We've said it once. We've, we'll say it again. People die, but charts don't. So that's we're, we're excited to see what else comes from Aaliyah and maintain her legacy in the very small ways that we can. Please leave us a five-star review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen on. It will never die. <laughs> and if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and DM us a screenshot of that review, we'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it. And thank you for everyone that submitted a review thus far. It truly does help. Memes don't die either. Memes don't die. And that's why you should follow us, <laughs> Allegedly Astrology, on Instagram, Reddit, and Hey Hero, and Allegedly Astro on Twitter. And you should book a reading with Dana. Go to our site, allegedlyastrology.com. Book a reading. Look at our faces. You could also listen to a bunch of our episodes there. It's a good time. I'm Elise. I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Change position. New position. (laughs) Now stroke it for me.